This is Sick and Wrong, America's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. And I'm your host, Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wackerly? Not a whole lot. I almost forgot what I usually say at the beginning. Yeah, you know, I gotta I gotta come up with a more original intro. You know, I, I always I think I always say the same thing, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it works. The show's not about the intro, it works. it's just a kickoff point. Yeah, it just you know, it just kinda it's a good segue right into sickness, you know, right into the, 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 the main meat of the show. Which but anyway, is what um, this week. Well anyway, Wackerly, how are you dealing with the news today? Did you go home early from work? Oh, the Anna Nicole Smith news? Yeah, I just wanted to know how you're coping. Anna Nicole Smith died, and I, I know you were a fan of hers. I'm a fan is, is of that, skinny. I mean, I'm, a fan of, I'm a fan of skinny Anna Nicole. So, but I mean, when you read the news, did you, you know, did you have like, were you overcome with grief? Did you smile? Did you, you know, kind of like put your head on your desk for like a moment of mourning, a moment of silence? I think it was a what the fuck moment. I mean, her kid just died. You know what I hate? Why, uh... It's you know, be when, a large coffin. When, when uh, John Belushi died, everybody was just like, oh, he OD'd, right? Yeah. But you, n- nobody does that anymore. It's always like this hush-hush thing, even though everybody knows. Every time she was in public, on camera, Dude, quoted, think, she was high as fuck. Think of the amount of cocaine that woman shoved up her fucking fat nose. I think she was on, you know, like opiate painkiller type I think You know what I think it was? End. I think she was on like speed or some kind of amphetamine because she was losing a lot of weight towards the end. She, she would was lose slimming it and, down, though. She would lose it and gain it back and lose it and gain it back. I mean, she was on also like those crazy trim spa diets and all that shit. But uh, I think that with the opiates just kind of. I think it was opiates because opiates are what you OD and die. Well, it just made her right? heart you just shut take down. Take a bunch of barbiturates or whatever. Yeah. And you just. And your heart out. just shut down. Yeah. Yeah. But they won't say that. You know, it's going to be this big, you know, unsaid thing. And they're going to say, oh. It was stress from her, you know, daughter dying, and it finally got to her, or son? son? Son. Son. Oh, now she has an orphan daughter. That's nice. Yeah, now she has an orphan Beautiful. daughter. But anyway, I mean, I, I was just like, some people were like, oh my God, she's dead? And it's just like, did you really care? Do you really care? No, I mean, is it going to affect your life? No, in I mean, anyway, she'll be uh, she'll be remembered and a lot more famous now than if she just sort of like started to tone, tone it down and grew old and just died, forgotten. You know, I just find it now suspicious. she's just going to be an icon for 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 a long time. Well, I, I just think. find it suspicious because you know, isn't she involved in that that battle over that guy's inheritance, the inheritance over like billions of dollars? No, that's done. She got the money. Oh, she got the money? Yeah, she married, you know, she was 22 and she married some 89-year-old just ugly disgusting man. Yeah, it's for love. Obviously, it's just, for love. Yeah. She made <laughs> she made a show of that, but anyway. You know what she needed? And this is what I think she needed. And I think this uh this whole death could have been prevented if she would have got a physical. She would have went to the doctor and got a physical like I did this morning. She probably wouldn't have collapsed. Oh, yeah? And her fat lung or fat heart wouldn't have died out. How are you doing? You know, actually, I'm doing uh, all right other than the fact that it was a very embarrassing incident. Kind of embarrassing, but just also kind of just unsettling. When, when's the last time you went, you had a physical? Like from a doctor. Not from uh, your girlfriend. Not from recently. Big Jeff. <laughs> recently. Like you in the past six real months. physical? 
I can't remember if they grabbed my balls, but they did do blood sample and, uh, you know, check the spine and, and do the listen to your chest while you breathe, you know, to make sure there's not a little troll living in your stomach. Dude, I haven't had a physical I was probably. bled out a little bit. I have a medieval doctor. <laughs> you know, it's I probably haven't had a physical in like 10 years. Yeah, it makes you a little nervous. Maybe even longer. Maybe since high school. After you get one, you feel better because you're like, wow, I can continue to poison my body because yeah. I haven't completely uh, you know, enacted well, full they, body like, shutdown yet. I walked out of there fortified just thinking, well, at the same time, I was a little uns- it was a little unsettling for me. But, at the, but when I was walking out, my initial reaction was, sweet, I can drink more now. All because right, I'm so healthy. What are you what are you beating around the bush about? What, what was well, th- this unsettling is, about this? This is visit? what I wanted to get into. So typically when you go and get a physical or like in the past when I've had a physical, the doctor's like some sixty year old dude or sixty five year old old man. They typically have like a huge waddle, you know? Yeah, that like, like no, neck, that, like, fat, fat, neck turkey fat. thing. Yeah. yeah, and like thick glasses and just hair like, coming out of their ears, uh, gigantic eyebrows. Pull down your trousers. Oh yeah. cough. And it's just like, okay, whatever. That's what I was expecting. I go in there. This doctor, 29 years old, petite, hot chick. I mean, she was hot. So younger than you, technically. Yeah, no, I mean, she was a few years younger than me. Just this hot, like, yeah, little yuppie girl. And I was looking at her like, you got to be kidding me. This is my doctor. And so the place... well, You must have thought it was the nurse, right? Who was just going to, like, give you a tongue depressor or something. Yeah, no, I thought she was going to... I thought she was the nurse that was going to take me to the room. Because you're sexist. And Well, no, you know, I don't even... It's the initial response. I didn't even think of it. I mean, I made this appointment blindly. I just kind of called the first medical group in my insurance list and i was like you know i'll just go there whatever and have my physical went in had no idea she comes over and she's like yeah you can come to this room i'm like all right it's the nurse whatever walk me in there she's like hi i'm i'm dr pam or whatever the hell her name was and i was like whoa you're hot and you're about to touch my balls and so i I didn't know if that that's standard procedure anymore if they still touch balls but Yes, they do. And so she's asking they me. They got to check for hernia. Yeah. She's asking me the standard questions like, you know, do you smoke? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you shouldn't smoke. I'm like, oh, really? And then she's like, so but it's do you, cool, right? She's, Hot like, ass. she's like, are you a social drinker? I was like, does six beers a night count as social? <laughs> does myself count as social? I hope she was duly impressed. <laughs> Just me and some internet porn? Is that, is that a social encounter and a six pack of beer? I but, would say yes. Yeah, I would think so too. But so anyway, like she did like looked at my ears, like listened to my chest, did the spinal thing. And then she's, so then it got to that point where it was like, yeah, I wants to drop my drawers. And so I stood up and I was just kind of like, well, this is just awkward because you're hot. You're about to put your hand on my balls. I don't, do not want to get an erection. That's the last thing I want here because it's just going to be awkward for the both of us. So she, she pulls my, or I pulled my pants down. She, she didn't pull my pants down. I pulled my pants down. My junk's just no, hanging yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, my junk's <laughs> hanging there. And I'm just sitting there thinking, don't get an erection. Don't get an erection. I'm thinking of Jerry Seinfeld. I'm thinking of Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm just thinking of things that will not prevent me from getting an erection. Mm-hmm. And she's like grabbing my left testicle and she's like, okay, cough. And she bends down like to grab it. And I was just like, I could feel I could feel the chub starting. I could I could feel yeah. myself getting. I mean, I was. You can't I, shut off the flow. Yeah, but once you start either. thinking about it, when you don't want it, yeah, it starts happening. And she noticed it too. It, I mean, it was like it was probably like a boner al dente, you know, soft yet hard, like a baby's arm. A chub. A chub. And she could tell, like, because it, it starts, you know, getting a little bigger. And so she quickly like grabbed the other ball. She's like, cough, cough, and then it was done. And it was just like, I just kind of like pulled up my pants and I was just sort of embarrassed and I didn't know what to say. And she just kind of like skipped over it. Did she lick her fingertips? No, she was wearing rubber gloves. 
Some people and, are into that sort of thing. Well, I thought she, you know, I was like, when she grabbed my shaft and started yanking on it, I was just kind of like, well, how does that, you know, if, you know, what, what, what type of hernia is that? Yeah, when she busted out the KY. But, you know, I was wondering. How did I know you were going to turn this story into, like, you getting getting some action? Which Dude, we all know it's not true. No, there was no action whatsoever. But what, what I was thinking. How often do you think that happens, that a, a dude gets a hot doctor like that and gets mildly aroused? Well, now that you and me and all our guy friends know that there's a hot doctor, is this Kaiser? No, it's like Metro Medical Group oh. on uh, Montgomery Street. But what, what was weird about it is like... I might start you, going. Would you find that disarming, though? I mean, what, if would I was you prefer? But would you prefer to have like some old man grab your balls or this hot young doctor? I mean, That's this isn't an erotic setting. I mean, dude, she's got rubber gloves on. You know, we're in an examination yeah, you're room. Yeah, right, old man. I mean, but you know what, though, dude? I actually kind of liked it, obviously. But, but an erotic setting is what you make of it. <laughs> yeah. No, no. You know, I mean, I, I was trying not to make an erotic right, setting. Because but it you just, were there it for was a physical, so it wasn't an erotic say, setting. Yeah. But let's say I was hard up, hadn't gotten laid for a while, and I didn't really need a physical, and I just decided to make an appointment. And just to go see her. Wear some, you know, sexy underpants. <laughs> some thongs. Yeah. Trim yeah. it up before I go. What was what made the uh what what kind of propounded the awkwardness of the encounter is the fact that I was there to get S T D testing. And so it's like, you know, she's grabbing my balls with the rubber gloves. So even and, if she was impressed by the drinking and smoking and how yeah. cool you are there with your counterculture and the tattoos, the STD probably would have turned her the off. The STD testing, I think, just kind of like, yeah, completely decimated any erotic ambitions on her part. But so she was, you know, she's grabbing, she's like, so do you have any testicular swelling? And I was like, uh, no, not that I know of. <laughs> They're normally that size. I have a little shaft swelling right now, <laughs> but uh, it's because your hands are on my balls. But you know, what was what pissed me off about it so anyway i get you know i was violated and i had my whole um you know physical done they didn't even do the std testing there the std testing is takes place in a separate laboratory and what's fucked up about my insurance and this is what pissed me off is by getting the the std testing done i have to pay a 250 dollars deductible on top of like you know what have you and so in the end I'm stuck now going to the San Francisco City Clinic That's where nice you can go place. get free STD testing for $10 because I'm not going to pay $250 to piss in a cup. Yeah, but going to the STD, the San Francisco Clinic is just like theater. Yeah, <laughs> it's dude, an added bonus. Have you ever been there? No. I've, I've been, only heard you tell me about it. I've been it. there three times. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, when I didn't have benefits, you know, when I was working at the strip club, you know, it was a... It was a a, a, Medical a place benefits. that I frequented. Yeah, I never there had other benefits. I, I never had. Yeah, there were benefits at the strip club, but I didn't have medical benefits, so I had to go. I mean, if if you had something, the only place you can go is the SF City Clinic, and I swear to God, dude, that place, it's a hellish experience. I mean, they're they're like it's everyone at all walks of life. There's trannies, there's bums, there's just everyone in there, and you're sitting there like holding your debutantes. Little... Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's even worse? I remember the first time I ever went there. This like kind of hot chick sat down and I was she started talking to me she was like asking me a question about like what time they were open till or something and I was just thinking this is probably the worst place to try to pick somebody up yeah I mean she might be easy but the fact that she's there means she has something so she's too and easy. she knows you have something so what are you yeah. talking about <laughs> well no yeah Who I mean that's why picky? I was there but yeah, dude, I mean, it was just a mortifying experience. It cost $10. You get you get to see some random doctor. You have to wait like four hours. Here's the thing. If you meet, if you do meet a chick, 
at the free clinic and you do hit it off with her, you might as well just leave <laughs> and not wait four hours. Go, you know, consummate your newfound relationship and then come back the next day. Because and you're you going to get end up back again. there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're picking up a girl from there. But yeah, dude, I mean, bums will sit over and lean over and talk to you. I remember this one bum was just like, so what you here for? And I was just like, well, um, it burns when I pee. <laughs> I mean, what are you here for? Same thing. I mean, he was just, I mean, we'd been sitting there for hours waiting to see the doctor. So it's like he's making small talk, but he's making small talk about his venereal disease. Yeah. And th I'm going to have to relive this experience on Monday at eight in the morning. Nice. Yeah, I'm not looking forward, look forward to it. To. I'm not looking forward to it. I, you know, get I had to go early, and be humiliated. Go over there. Well, I mean, I had to be humiliated today, and now I got to get up early and be humiliated once again at the SF City Clinic. But okay. anyway, um, moving on here. Enough about my uh, venereal infections. Uh, let's talk about the fact that we're on episode 57 of uh, Sick and Wrong. And I wanted to wrap up um, last week. Um, we received many votes. As usual, seems like people are voting more now. You notice that? Ever, yeah, it's good. Ever since we uh, revised the website, yeah, that revamped website, I think people we simplified are going there. the process. Yeah, so we've been we getting a lot of customers in mind. So for episode fifty-six last week, I did a story about the uh, fecal matter injection. Uh, you did a story about that emo swordsman who killed his mother, yeah. and uh, the listener did a story about a doctor who drugged his wife and shoved a wine bottle in her arse. And uh, yeah, dude, I won by a landslide. We all knew you were going to. Yeah, fecal injection just... I knew that. I was kind of... That was kind of a given. I kind of knew that was going to win. I had like 88 votes. I think you came in with 54. Listener had 16. But luckily, I did not have to buy the beer this week because we have an overflow of beer from Super Bowl Sunday party. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing about the Super Bowl. When you host the party here, people... Everyone will come over and bring 12 packs. And, you know, it's... They're yeah. not going to drink all that beer. No. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice. We have like probably what... 36 MGDs. Something like that. Yeah. A lot of drinking needs to be done during this show. So um, I believe last week I started it. So um, everyone's familiar with the way Sick and Wrong works. Wackily myself compete as to who can find the most disturbing news item of the week. Winner gets a case of beer. And the listener also competes with us. The listener doesn't get a case of beer. The listener gets a Sick and Wrong prize package. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, since I started last week, I think you should kick the show off. I'll do that. Uh, my story comes out of Providence, Rhode Island, the Providence Journal. Rhode Island. East is, Coast. Yeah, Rhode, well, Rhode Island's even fucked up for the East Coast. I used to live near there. It's just a really tiny state, small town feel. Even their, even their, in their big city, Providence, it's like this small town, big town type weirdo thing. If I'm not mistaken, isn't that the uh, scene where Great White played that club and the club burned down? Good call. I yeah. forgot about that. The catastrophe. Well, in Providence. Heavy metal catastrophe. In Providence, a former inmate at uh, the Adult Correctional Institution uh, who accused a guard of abuse has accepted a $120,000 settlement from the state. $120,000 settlement? He settled out of court instead of, you know, taking it to full prosecution it's of this It's impressive guard. that an inmate can sue the state for that amount of money. Yeah, so the trial started, and then two days later, uh, this guy, uh, Michael Walsh, dropped the lawsuit, took the money. I think that's a good call. Maybe yeah, not dude. the quantity. We'll argue about that after the after the story's done. Most most uh, rapists and, and uh, murderers who are wrongly convicted can't even sue for that much money. Yeah, 
So uh, this guy made out like a bandit. Well, on Monday, a district court found correctional officers Botas, Vivieros, and Spaziano, three veteran secu- uh, uh, correctional guards. Dude, I would never want my officer to be Spaziano. Officer Spaziano? God damn it. It's going to my ass so, again. So they've been in the system abusing people for a while, it sounds like. Uh, they were found guilty on misdemeanor counts of simple assault. They were convicted of assault, assaulting another inmate, Jose Gonzalez, a convicted drug felon in Botas's office last February. Uh, Gonzalez was summoned to Botas's office for questioning about contraband in his cell, which were soup packets. Soup packets? <laughs> yeah. And suspicion of selling tobacco products, which is always like a big deal in prison. Yeah, but is that uncommon in prison? Selling tobacco, no, but I do think you know most prisons say that that's not allowed, even though it goes rampant. And the soup packets, you mean, dealing those... Yeah, all these what uh, harm he could have done. All these three guards are obviously fighting to keep their jobs just because, you know, prison guard unions are typically very strong and, and you can get away with, away with a lot of shit. And, you know, if you're in the union, they protect you and keep you in. Employed. Yeah, but it sounds like they're fucking with this guy. Well, a bunch of guys. Uh, yesterday, Botas uh, was scheduled to stand trial in district court, this time for assaulting Walsh and the. Uh, this, that alleged incident also took place in Botas's office in the uh, in the Adult Correctional Institution Minimum Security Unit. So this isn't maximum security prison where these uh, you know alleged abuses are going down. This is minimum security, white collar. You know, maybe uh, this other guy said he was a drug felon, but maybe he just had a little Embezzlement, bit embezzlement of... fraud. This is like summer camp for prisons. Yeah, and a, but and everybody always says, "Oh, it's a country club," but apparently it's not a country club. That's I guess yeah. But one I always, of my is side that a misconception? Points. I mean, I thought that I thought these were like they, they don't have bars, and I thought it wasn't. According to this story, down. according to this story, it is a misconception. Um, Lynch's uh, spokesman, uh, uh, one of the other people who was. Uh, uh, said prosecutors will try, will try Botas for allegedly assaulting four other inmates in minimum security. And this all happens in this guy's office. I, I assume, like, this office is just the dreaded area of this minimum security prison. Like, you get summoned to the office, you and know. you know you're going to get the beat down. Yeah, you know, you know you're going to get beaten. If, you, you know, if this were a, a Stephen King movie, it would be, have this ominous door, and, you know, every time you saw it, there'd be creepy background music. Yeah, I picture Shawshank Prison in that weird office with the warden. Yeah. The alleged... Uh, uh, the allegations of inmate inmate abuse came to a light last February after prison director A.T. Wall called a news conference to announce that nine guards, actually, so there are others involved, uh, and prison personnel had been suspended for abusing or failing to report the abuse of inmates. So these three guys were the abusers, and there were other guards who just knew and didn't say anything about it, so they're on notice also. But here's the hook of the story. <laughs> This is what happened to uh, the guy who took the $120,000 settlement, which we will argue about whether this is a justifiable amount or whether he should have held out It for seems more. exorbitant to me, but I don't know exactly what they did to this guy yet. The most egregious case that has surfaced was the allegation involving Walsh, a laborer and single father of a young daughter. He had been serving a short sentence in this minimum security prison for violating his probation on a shoplifting conviction. <laughs> So that's pretty minimal. I mean, that guy didn't really... It's a rather benign charge. I mean... No, he shoplifted something. wasn't a felon. I mean, they put him on probation. You know, whatever it was. Videotape, cigarettes, something like that. Probably they put him on probation. Joint, violated his probation, yet sent away yeah, for a couple of years. Yeah, or even something like, you know, didn't go meet with his probation officer when they should have. Maybe a couple times. They said, okay, you know what? You're going to minimum security for a short sentence. They don't say how long the sentence was. Um, according to the lawyer, uh, Walsh's lawyer... 
Walsh was suspected of trying to sneak cigarettes into the prison. Apparently, this is just a, a rampant, rampant violation of the rules. Where did he put the cigarettes? I don't think he had a carton of cigarettes up his ass, if that's what you're trying to get at. I mean, he probably... Well, I'm just saying, I would be reluctant to smoke cigarettes that were snuck into prison. No, I'm assuming they were in a care package or something. I mean, they found them easily, it sounds like. I, mean, I guess if I was, you know, hadn't had a cigarette in a couple of days, I guess I wouldn't really care where it came from. Yeah, maybe you'd like the extra flavoring, I don't know. <laughs> Marlboro country. I'll try some on you next week, unsuspecting-wise, and we'll, I'll do a little Pepsi challenge. <laughs> I'll give you two cigarettes. I'll mark one with a dot or something. Yeah, I'll pass We'll on find that. out. Well, after they found the cigarettes on this guy, he was strip-searched and forced to take his own fecal matter and put it into his mouth. <laughs> oh, dude. He was also beaten with a phone book in Botas's office, apparently. So they beat the guy with a phone book, made him shit in his hand and shove it in his mouth? That's... You know how we always part of the commentary is the lacking reporting in some of these stories. They the lack of facts it. and information details. Yeah, where did they get his poo? I mean, if somebody was beating me and then they said shit, my sphincter would be so tight. There's no way I was going to shit. Yeah, but maybe... They maybe were... he shit himself as they were beating him uncontrollably and that's what, you know, angered the guards that now there's shit in Botas's office and they sort of said, you know, made him taste it. Well, that's a more plausible theory, but perhaps they were you know, giving him an erectile exam, checking for drugs or something, and they saw that the turtle was poking the head out of the shell, and they're like, put that turtle in your mouth. Or maybe, as yeah, as the guy was doing the strip search, he got some on his glove, and he's like, you dirty bastard, you shit on my hand while I was shoving my hand up your ass. Yeah, and so... Which is, I, I, I say, is to be expected. If you're going to shove your hand up my ass, you might yeah. come out with a little shit. No, it's par a, for the course. Yeah, par for the Comes course. Comes with the territory. Exactly. That specific territory. Dangers of the profession. That specific territory might have shit there. <laughs> but you know what? Those aren't even the most egregious parts of the story to me. Here it is. The lawyer says, I could get more graphic than that, but I'm not going to. Which is actually a lie because he goes on to say, I'm just going to tell you that it was a day later when Walsh got to wash out his mouth. Oh, Jesus, dude. <laughs> he kept the poo in his mouth for a whole day? Well, no. Apparently, they didn't let him, like, you know, you near a toothbrush or a sink for uh, a whole oh, day. But I mean, did they let him spit out the, the piece of poo? Yeah, but, you, I mean, do you, do, you, do you have faith in your own salivary powers? <laughs> no, Salive, but I mean, salivatory I'm, I'm, powers? Picturing, I'm picturing this guy had to put a chunk of turd in his mouth and right. sit there with the turd in his mouth for 24 hours. So, yeah, I'm sure he's like, <laughs> but he didn't get to a toothbrush or a glass of water or scope. Dude, I'd want all three. This is worse than Abu Ghraib. <laughs> he didn't get to do that for a, until a day later. Um, Jesus, where is he in Guantanamo? No, minimum security. God, and, and like I, I just lied also because that's the most fucked up part of the story. But here's here's I think really the most fucked up part of the story. Botas is the only guard who will stand trial in the Walsh case because apparently Walsh took a settlement on the civil trial, but there's a, still a criminal trial. And he's being prosecuted for striking the former in, in, inmate in the head with a telephone book. And here it is. The incident involving the fecal matter is not a crime, and he cannot be prosecuted for that. <laughs> now, that's a travesty of justice. How can that not be a crime? Hey, I'm putting a call out to all uh, Rhode Island politicians. This should be the bill that you put forward in the next session of your state senate. 
Doesn't it should be a crime to force somebody to eat their own poo, especially if they're in jail. I mean, do I, I, this must be what the like the, uh, the the U.S. is justifying their abuse of prisoners in Guantanamo. It's like obviously there's no crime for it, right? You know, but I mean that 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 is a travesty of justice. Yeah, and I just like to go back to the washing your mouth out thing. A couple of weeks ago, we did the uh, the pretty Lisa interviews. You know, where she talked about how much she loved eating shit and being shit on and jacking a cock off and what have you yeah but i bet you even after her you know shit sex sessions she immediately goes and brushes her teeth and takes a shower yeah but yeah this guy just having your own crap you know i'm sure he spit out the majority of it but there's like pieces of it stuck in between your teeth you need some floss having to go around like that for a day that would traumatize me for life yeah, dude. I mean, this guy has to be mentally scarred by this. I mean, is yeah, this is a very traumatic occurrence. I mean, people are probably calling him shit mouth. Yeah, I would never be able to eat a piece of fudge or chocolate pudding again. <laughs> a Snickers bar would never go into my mouth again. A ho ho. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, no, all no. that stuff. All brown foods would be out. God, dude, that's horrible. On the you know, on the sick and wrong scale, that that's got to score pretty high. I mean, this dude. Not only was he beaten with a phone book. He was completely humiliated by being forced to eat his own fecal matter and then not being allowed to wash his mouth out for a day. Yeah. I mean, I hope he just didn't, you know, pass by any hot security, uh, correctional facilities, workers, you know, trying to chatter up. But he's got like shit mouth and pieces of shit in his teeth because that would ruin your game. Seriously. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I haven't been to brush my teeth, I know, but these guys, you know, they made me eat my own crap. I gotta floss the chunks of poo out between my teeth. You know, I'm gonna have to give that a 9.6. I'll give it a, yeah, I'll give it a 9.6 too, just because it's I'm almost scarred just I, hearing about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, you know, had we been doing the show during the Abu Ghraib offenses, yeah, I would have given that at least a 9.6, 9.7. But I mean, I think this definitely, you know, parallels yeah. The the traumatic, you know, way these those people were treated. Maybe they should sign these guards up to go over there. Yeah, New I'm surprised techniques. I'm surprised they haven't been transferred to Guantanamo cuz apparently I think they would be very effective. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I would almost admit to like bombing the World Trade Center too. Yeah. It's like, let me take the poo out of my mouth, please. <laughs> please, just please. give me some Listerine. Well, I think my story is going to be able to to uh compete with that one. 9.6, we'll see. You know, it, it, this story is the type of story that I found a week ago. I was, you know, trolling the internet. I came upon this and I was like, yep, this is my story for 57. Sent you an Im- email immediately saying, yeah. I claim this article. You claimed this very early on in the week. I well, as soon say. as I saw it, I was like, this is sick and wrong written all over it. Um, this happened, uh, yeah, like about a week ago on Monday. Um, actually, the, the incident occurred in August 2006, but um, it just came to light because of a letter that was written in the medical journal, The Lancet, which appropriately enough. Um, you know it's a good sick and wrong story when it gets written up in a medical journal. When it's written in a medical journal. So um, here's the headline. U.S. immigration cavity search ends in agony. Official pulled very hard on Mm. what you ask you'll find out u.s immigration officials insisted the sufferer of an anal infection remove a small piece of medical thread which was being used by doctors to treat the condition the man required emergency treatment under general anesthetic as a result 
So what happened, this occurred in uh, last August and was brought to light by a letter that was written by a doctor to um, U.S. custom officials and uh, the Homeland Security team. Mm. And if, you know, you know, currently we're having an issue with immigration in this country. I know the Bush administration, that's like a hot topic with the Republicans. If they continue to treat foreign tourists like this, I don't think we're going to have an immigration problem very much longer. And probably not a tourist industry. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so either. So um, here's the letter. It was written by Sue Clark, a doctor from uh, the UK. Homeland Security reaches the anus. I wish to bring to your attention difficulties of one of my patients recently encountered when entering the USA. He is a 48-year-old man with a fistula in ano. Managed with a long-term seton to control perianal sepsis. So let me <laughs> let me explain some of these terms. There's a lot of medical terms here that I, yeah, I think a lot think of people don't know. An anal fistula. Did you get Dr. Hotness to tell you about this stuff? <laughs> you know, I, I should have asked Dr. Hotness about this. It might have kept your erection Dr. away. Dr. Feelgood? Yeah, actually, <laughs> she started talking about anal fistulas. I think I would have been like... Rrr. So an anal fistula is an abnormal, narrow, tunnel-like passageway that connects the remains of an old anal abscess to the surface of the skin. Anal fistulas develop in about half of all anal abscesses that have drained. Sometimes the opening of the fistula at the skin surface leaks a thick, foul-smelling liquid that has traveled from the depths of an old abscess in the anus. All right, there are about 12 different medical conditions that were just mentioned, and I want nothing to do with any of them ever. Dude, anal fistula, anal abscess, anything like that, I never want that on my body. Tunneling passages to other parts of my butt. So, in other cases, the opening of the fistula eventually becomes plugged with draining debris and pus, causing the old anal abscess to flare up again as a firm pocket of pus. So, now, this guy, he had a long-term setin, which is a suture type type of uh, medical treatment. Like a control, stitch. Yeah. To Th- control, thread. Well, to control the... Uh, the, the, the leaking of the pus, the anal pus. So a seton consists of a length of suture material knotted to form a loop, which lies in the fistula track. It passes through the fistula, out of the external opening, beside the anus, into the anus, and re-enters the fistula through the internal opening. So it's, it's basically a stitch, that, stitch that, that, that stitches the abscess closed. So many fistulas are treated with setons in the short term, and in those that are that are associated with Crohn's disease, the management can be long-term. Now, here's another, the last medical term I'm going to get to here. This is an educational podcast. All right, because I'm going to puke. Crohn's disease is an ongoing disorder that causes inflammation of the digestive tract, also referred to as gastrointestinal tract. Crohn's disease can affect any area of the gastrointestinal tract, usually causes um, immense pain, Makes the intestines empty in like frequently, resulting in diarrhea. Mm. So a lot of Crohn's people have to wear charcoal underpants. Have you ever seen that charcoal diapers, just to keep the smell down? Well, no, because you shit yourself uncontrollably. Well, it's like you have diarrhea no- just leaking out of your anus. <laughs> why not a normal diaper? Because the charcoal like hides the smell. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like a charcoal panties. So what what happened here to this guy on arrival in New York in uh, August 2006 for a holiday? The patient was interrogated by immigration officials, custom officials, Homeland Security team, 
then examined and searched. So I imagine they must have suspected something. Yeah, well, he's walking funny. <laughs> he was probably Arabic. He was probably walking funny. <laughs> <laughs> that guy has a funny walk. Bring him into interrogation. <laughs> yeah, he was probably like, he probably had like a, he was kind of bow-legged, just kind of walking. He's got a shifty walk. So um, they decided to give him a rectal examination. So they searched his body, gave him a rectal examination. The presence of the Seton gave rise to much concern. I assume because of a suspicion that a drug package or terrorist rep weapon was in some way attached to it. So they pretty much looked at his asshole and they saw like a blue thread coming out of it. Wouldn't you just be screaming, I have this medical condition. It's called an anal fistula. That's my medical treatment device. Here's the number of my doctor. Do you think the guy didn't speak English or something? I, you know, I wonder. I mean, that's, that's my first assumption is the guy couldn't speak English and couldn't communicate that the reason he had a blue thread sticking out of his anus is because he had an anal fistula and it was a stitch. Maybe they thought it was a ventriloquist dummy. So um, I guess this baffled immigration officials. So one officer kind of uh, took the matter on hand himself, went over there and yanked very hard on the seton, on the suture that was sticking out of the guy's asshole. The patient started screaming in agony, and pus started dripping out of the wound. Well, it serves the uh, investigator right. <laughs> well, I guess he yanked on it, and uh, the patient was given the choice by the baffled immigration officers of either getting on the next plane home or submitting himself to a procedure to have it removed because they were that suspicious of whatever this was. I mean, I don't know what these guys must have thought it was. Like, did they, I mean, who hides drugs with, I mean, did they think it was like a little string that he could just kind of yank out the cocaine out of his ass? They must have. But why, I don't, I still don't understand why he's not screaming. It's a medical device, you know, apparatus or whatever you would call it. Yeah, that, that, that's what I don't understand. I guess, so the patient was refused entry into the U.S. unless it was removed. And I'm actually surprised they don't have some type of medical doctor on hand at, in that type of, uh, uh, you know, situation room, or at least somebody they can call. Or at least someone that they would, you know, know what it is. I mean, they must deal with foreigners Right, all it's the some time. guy who's earning, you know, just above minimum wage to look at people's assholes all day. So the uh, patient here chose removal of the Seton which was done by a doctor at the airport who claimed never to have come across one before. So I guess they did have a, a doctor at the airport, but he had no idea what this blue thread was. <laughs> nice job, doc. But I mean, looking at is this, that, is that a normal, is that a normal medical outlook that a doctor would have? I don't know what that is. So I'm just going to remove it. <laughs> well, no, they gave him the choice. They said either get on a plane, go back home or let us pull out that that blue thread oh, well, that's holding as, your asshole yeah, together. As long as he had a choice. Well, what I don't understand is, so by, by the definition here of anal fistula and anal abscess, this guy's asshole must look like a big red pulsating bloody piece of manicotti. I mean, if you think about it, it's just like this big red bloody pulsating pussy hole. Why would they think that he would have shoved drugs in there? They're probably desensitized to all types of nasty assholes. But then if you saw a blue thread, would your first instinct be, I'm going to yank on that thing to see what's in there? I think they're probably just very eager to, because they think drugs are in this guy's ass. Yeah, they must have, or they wouldn't have been yanking on the what else uh, could blue it be? thread. They couldn't have thought it was some type of a bomb. I've never heard of anybody hiding a bomb. Well, what or type being... of terrorist weapon would they, I mean... I don't know. Can you shove a box cutter up there? Well, he's already off the and plane. And the infested he's coming, bloody hole? He's coming off the plane. Yeah. I don't he's know. not going on the plane. 
No, it, it, and plus they're going to th- put him back on the plane. That's the funny thing. So if they did think it was a terrorist device, wouldn't the last thing you would do is okay, get on the plane and go back to England with this terrorist device up your ass? No, they thought it was drugs. Would you have worn gloves though? I'm sure they wear gloves. (laughs) So the patient now requires an examination under general anesthetic to insert a replacement device to close up the anal fissure. I guess, um, fortunately, even though he pulled very hard on the uh, seton, he didn't damage any of the anal sphincter muscles that were encircling it. Do you think he wrapped it around his finger like you do with a piece of dental floss (laughs) to get a good grip on it? (laughs) I mean, he must have. I wonder what everyone else was just kind of like, damn. You got I got to believe I got to have some faith in humanity and think that there was somebody else in that room going, "Yeah, I wouldn't do that." <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't do what you're about to do. No, apparently I think everyone was just I mean all the other uh, immigration officers were just kind of like, "Yeah, pull that shit." Yeah, do it. Do, yeah, it. do it. I dare you. <laughs> I dare you. I to double do dog it. dare you. So uh, the doctor goes on to say, I thought I should highlight this rather bizarre manifestation of homeland security because I suspect that it might become a more frequent problem. So uh, apparently a lot of other people are going to come to this country with these anal fistulas and are going to get their bandages yanked out. I hope this guy gets a lot of money out of the government for this. She suggests that any patient with a CTIN who is planning to travel to the USA or any other country where they are likely to be searched in this manner should carry a letter from their specialist explaining the nature of their condition and treatment. So I assume that this guy didn't speak English. Yeah, you know they have those little medic alert bracelets that say, I have diabetes or I'm allergic to penicillin, don't give me penicillin. There should be a bracelet that says, I have a thread coming out of my ass, please do not jerk out. I have a festering pus hole in my ass, please do not yank the thread that's holding it together. Whatever you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I don't know, but I, I really think this might deter future tourists coming to the U.S. But, you know, you said that these people, you know, this guy should sue the uh, immigration officials. Quite honestly, I think this is within their power. I think this is within their domain. Like, I think they're allowed to do this. I, mean, I think you're allowed to do it. I don't think they'd be allowed to be like shit in your hand and eat, put it in your mouth. Well, but I think they're allowed to be like, well, there's a string hanging out of your ass. I'm going to yank it. I, I, you know, I'd hate to see what happens if they see a tampon <laughs> string. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that's happened before. You can still, you know, challenge in court an unjust or uh, irresponsible Ill law treatment. or regulation. You know, it doesn't matter if the regulation said that. But I don't think they could. I don't think he could sue them because, I mean, pretty much don't, don't immigration officials right now under George Bush and Republicans have carte blanche to do whatever they want if they suspect a terrorist. Yeah, but you can still challenge that in court. I mean, we're not lawyers, but I got to believe that you can still challenge something like that in court and say, I was completely egregiously treated, unjustly wronged. Most likely. But, you know, I mean, to be honest, what bothers me about this article is the fact that this guy must have been in unbelievable agony. I mean, could you imagine the pain like this? So an anal fistula must be rather painful. The guy shits himself uncontrollably because he has Crohn's disease. And that led to a festering hole formed in his anus that's being held together by this piece of string. And this ignorant customs official yanked that string. Yeah, okay, and here's another inconsistency in the story. Didn't they notice the smelly, soiled charcoal underpants as they pulled the dude's pants off? You know, I don't, I don't know if... Uh, or were they just like, damn, this guy's nasty. Let's get him out. Let's get him processed and out of here quickly. Maybe they thought it was heroin. Yeah. I, yeah, I have no idea. So on the sick and wrong scale, 
Um, the fact that this was a cavity search here in the story, which is always disgusting. Yeah. Um, Doesn't the, justify a story in itself, though. The fact that the story had to do with anal infection and the fact that this guy was um, obviously mistreated by uh, these customs officials and in immense agony. Whew, I'm going to have to give it a 9.4. I was going to, I would give it a 9.3, but I'm going to give it 0.3 bonus points because I think I puked in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, it was kind so of 9. disgusting. 9.6. It was kind of disgusting. So uh, moving on here. Um, we have a listener submission story, and this came from a Stinkhole, who uh, remarkably sent us about 10 stories for this podcast, which brings up an issue that uh, Wackerly wanted to discuss. Should, we do it, uh, should I do it now? Yeah, what I wanted to mention is the fact that people, I, I, I really appreciate the fact that you send us multiple stories. I think it's great that you send a story every week. Yeah, true. But let's just trim it down to one story per listener. Each week. Per week. Yeah, uh, per actually, week. Here, the new rule is the first story that any listener sends in, that's that listener's submission. And we're going to go by, you know, each email address gets one. And and like like D said, we love that people respond to the show. But what, what ends up happening, if you send in 10, you snipe everybody else's story. And then, you know, just because you got in early, nobody else can send in any of those stories. You covered them all. That's not really fair to anybody. So... One story per week. If you I, I if you send equitable. one in and you change your and you change your mind, you know, so tough, use this tough. One. You blew, no, I think it's tough. Okay, the first one that comes in, you shot your wad. You don't get to do another one. Save it for next week. Save it for next week, or try again next week. Whatever. Yeah. So anyway, Stinkhole sent in like I don't know, like good eight articles, all good ones. Yeah, was, that's it, the problem. <laughs> and a bunch of other people send in the same articles, but. This was one of the first ones that I received from him, and I think it's a great one, so I was going to do it this week. Um, we're going to include this for I. Uh, yeah, so we're not going to pen penalize Stinkhole, because this wasn't the rule until this week. No, so Stinkhole's he, an, avid, an avid listener. We are going to do one of his stories, yeah, even though so, he sent in 10. So Stinkhole sent in this story here, meth users turning to urine to get high. What the hell is wrong with this week? It's I, all about fecal human waste. It's all about excreta. Yeah. Yeah, this, this whole podcast is about excreta. It's making me sick. This happened in Wright County, Minnesota. When Wright County, Minnesota deputies opened up a smelly rented storage locker last June, they had no idea what they would find. Inside, a man had stored 50-gallon jugs of urine. Mm. So he had 51-gallon jugs of urine. The officers that responded looked at it and said, yeah... That's odd, said Wright County Narcotics Sergeant Becky Howell. The deputies gave the go-ahead to the owners to throw out the urine. When they did, they got sick. And I don't understand exactly what they got sick from. I assume maybe the smell? Yeah, well, you know, I think if you have that much urine in one spot, there's a lot of ammonia fumes. Well, and you can start inhaling that stuff, and you can get really ill. Well, what they actually got... Yeah, I imagine it was probably the ammonia fumes, but at the same time, they tested the urine, and it was contaminated with methamphetamine. Ah. And so a week meth. and a half later, there's a report that hit Howell's desk, and she said, oh my gosh, this is a meth lab. It's a urine extraction lab. Mm. I, You know, this is news to me. I know a lot of meth addicts. I had no idea that people were distilling urine to obtain methamphetamine. It's a new low. Or maybe a new high. So I don't want to jump the gun, but it sounds like people are doing meth. They're cooking meth. They're doing meth. And then the same people are urinating 
and somebody realized that, hey, there's still good meth in my urine. I'm going to ex- recycle that into my system. This is what they, they go on to say. It's a new way to get meth. A brand new way. Some people drink the meth-tainted urine outright to get high. I mean, you must be in complete desperation at that point. It almost gives a new meaning to the term Mountain Dew. <laughs> but uh, others filter the drug back out of the urine through the cooking process. Hmm. And so they, I guess, it's, it's, almost like it's, it's almost like distilling, you know, whiskey or something. They're distilling the urine to get meth. Can I take a moment to badmouth Gandhi? <laughs> <laughs> Did Gandhi uh, drink his own urine? I don't know if it's urban legend or, or suburban or r- third world legend. But yeah, there's there's a rumor that Gandhi practiced this thing where you, where he drank his own urine. And it's kind of like a purification thing. You're drinking the same thing that comes out of your body and it comes out again and you drink it again. Yeah, but he probably did that to become more fully realized. He these, wasn't getting high yeah, on crank. I mean, these Hessians are doing it to get high on speed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the the officer here says, I'm not 100% sure what this guy was doing. Five years ago, I probably would have been surprised at that, but now knowing and understanding methamphetamine and an addict's addiction to it, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, the guy probably didn't really know what he was doing either, but it sounds like he had some sort of a plan. You know... I, I don't know, man. I've never liked the drug that much to drink my own urine to get high, you know, from the drug. But, hey, I'm not a drug addict, so maybe I don't know. But Jeremy Rezac over here is a recovering meth addict. He used to cook up to $20,000 worth of meth, $20,000 of meth a day. Back then, he said it was easy to buy pseudoephedrine or ephedrine in the form of pills. A couple hundred bucks, send junkies out to get your pills for you. A couple hours later, you're ready to rock and roll. But I guess that's all changed. In the summer of 2005, lawmakers passed some of the most stringent meth laws in the country, and they placed limits on the amount of pseudoephedrine and ephedrine one person can buy in a month. Yes, I know. If you, I don't know if you've tried to like buy Claritin or drugs yeah, like that. I have. And you have to sign your, out a log. And they ask for your ID and everything, and you're just like, dude, I have hay fever. Give me a fucking break. Exactly. I experienced a similar thing like a week ago at Rite Aid. So the state said that this brought homegrown meth labs, meth labs down by 70%. So I think a lot of meth users had to turn to alternative ways to get high. American know-how. Ingenuity. Yep. Ingenuity right here, dude. Social Darwinism. Let's Henry drink. Ford. Yeah, let's drink some urine. I don't know, dude. Leave it to the meth freaks. You know, if, 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 if what, what cracks me up about it is I can almost picture a scenario of a bunch of meth guys sitting in some trailer park in Reno, Nevada, being like, can't buy any more goddamn ephedrine. We need a plan. Well, let's just drink our piss. <laughs> All right. And so, like, you know, one guy drank, like, a two-liter piss and was like, I'm high. <laughs> Where are we going to keep all the piss? Public storage locker. <laughs> and then it just went on from there. So, yeah, I don't know. Rezac goes on to say you can't find ephedrine anymore. You can't find it on the streets anymore. The government did what they needed to do. It takes a lot of time and money, and I think the average meth user, meth cook, they don't want the hassle anymore. So, uh, it yeah. takes a lot of time and money, and if you have a meth addiction, it takes a lot of meth to keep yourself going. I think that's why they're turning to alternatives. By like any means necessary. Urine. So while the state has made great progress in combating homegrown meth, no one in government, law enforcement, or even on the streets expects the drug to go away anytime soon. So the battle is still going on. I think any person who is uh, convicted of meth production or heavy meth use from here on out should uh, 
have uh, be put on a strict regimen of dialysis and they should confiscate all the urine. I think they should cement their piss hole so they just can't pee anymore. Like a colostomy, but give them a colostomy bag? Yeah. And they just take the urine away. But I thought the colostomy bag for was for the number twos. Dude, they should have to turn their urine in to the probation officer. <laughs> Every piss. You're not going to drink it anymore. short this week. <laughs> so on the sick and wrong scale, dude, I mean, these meth users are drinking urine to get high. That's pretty disgusting. I'm going to have to give it like an 8.6. Yeah. I mean, it's gross, dude. 8.9. It's gross. This is a very scatological podcast. Don't yeah. you think? I'm a little I'm a little shit and pissed out by the end of yeah, this. Yeah, I'm a little disturbed by this. I might have scored that higher if we did it at the beginning. Yeah. Well maybe we should have. Well, well we, no, it's home field advantage. Sorry, listeners, but you get you always get pushed to the end. We invite the listening audience to vote here. Uh, go to sickandwrongpodcast.com. You decide who had the most repulsive scatological article for episode fifty seven. <laughs> Sickradio.com. Well, dude, we got to wrap up the show here. Um, as usual, we get to listener email towards the end of the show. I want to breeze through a couple emails uh, we got recently. Uh, we, You know, uh, last show I was talking about, I don't remember exactly in what context, but I was talking about Andrea Yates, uh, the lady who murdered her children in Texas. Drowned them in the bathtub? Drowned them in the bathtub. I think I was yeah. talking about the woman who, who injected fecal matter into her kids. Yeah. Well, I mentioned Andrea Yates and how her husband, I, th- I erroneously said that her husband stayed with her like the whole time while she's in the mental institution. He didn't? No. Apparently, Tracy, one of our listeners, sent us an email that said Rusty, that was her husband's name, Rusty Yates, totally divorced Andrea and remarried about a year ago. So I think he was only with her for a couple of years and then was just like, fuck this, dude. That lady, that crazy bitch is never getting out of prison. He had enough. I need to get laid, make more kids, and let the new wife drown him. So uh, thanks, Tracy, for uh, clearing that up. I always like when people point out our errors. Yeah. Because um, we don't have any fact-checking going on here. Yeah, we don't. Finally here, um, I got another very cryptic email from a guy named Randolph Evans, who I assume is from the UK. He is, um, He mentioned, he sent us a, uh, an email here. The subject is, what retards are for? He says, hello. I don't know if you do this in the States, but here in the UK... We send retards off to college just like regular people. My friend, Evil Fuck, great name there, has been given a young female retard called Wiki to amuse him while he studies. He has a clip of her cooking sausages for him in a microwave on his MySpace page. I like the bit where he makes an involuntary sex noise when he sees her bending over in the kitchen. It's only a matter of time before his curiosity gets the better of him and he gets himself some retard ass, exclamation point. Um, this email intrigues me. I'm very intrigued by this. What do you make of this, Waggerly? Retards in college? Well, I think I've talked about this on a previous podcast, but um, when I was in elementary school, you know, we had retarded children at my elementary school, and we had these days where we would go down and be, you know, be forced to interact with them, read them stories, talk to them. And I kind of see the point in that, but I don't understand this why you would why you would send them to college and force, you know, them to be integrated into the college atmosphere. Well, I don't, okay, I can understand why you'd try to assimilate retards in high school. They have special education classes. 
Special education. Or in, into careers after high school. Like McDonald's or Taco whatever. Bell. Or whatever. But, you know, whatever. But why would you let them go to higher education, you know, pr- pursue higher education, like a, a college or a university? I mean, what do they, what do they expect? That this retard is going to be an astrophysicist? Yeah, but that's, and that was my next point. Where does it stop? Do you, do you, so you send them to college? Do you send them to grad school? Yeah, do, they, I, do, they go, do they go have a residency at some uh, surgery hospital I mean, somewhere? What, what I don't understand, are the parents so oblivious that they don't realize that they have a retard for a child? I mean, the retard has learning disabilities. The retard's not going to be the next Stephen Hawking. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, Stephen Hawking's kind of retarded, isn't he? He's, Physically. <laughs> He's a physical <laughs> degeneracy. Yeah, okay. All right, Lou Gehrig's disease does not count. He could probably destroy us with his mind right now. Is he still alive? But I'm saying, like, you don't send a kid with Down syndrome to, you know, Yale. Well, apparently they do in in the UK. I want to move this to to a further discussion maybe next week. But I I, want to figure out, I don't even really understand this. I implore our listeners in Europe and the UK... Send or anywhere where this is going on. Send us some emails and enlighten us here about this retard in college situation. And uh, Randolph, maybe you should send us another email here and explain this to me. Why retards are sent, you know, to universities. It, it, it makes no sense to me. And the other thing that I want to understand, he's being coy or funny or something, but he says that this retarded person was assigned to his friend. I don't understand that either. Like a manservant, woman servant. I think he's just being funny. Maybe the retard lives in the same dorm or something. It's a very vague email. I want to get. I want the listeners to send in more detail, like you said, and I think we should further discuss this next week. I, I think this. I think this lends further discussion. Definitely merits further discussion. So yeah, send us send us some emails and tell us why a retard sent to college in Europe. I I would like to know this. Well, that about does it here for uh, episode fifty seven of uh, Sick and Wrong. Um, people, if you get a chance, go check out the website. We just um, added a bunch of new pictures. We added an audio section and a bunch of new links. So, um, yeah, check out the uh, revised new website. And as usual, if you haven't already, go vote for us on Podcast Alley. Till next week, take a sleazy. Take a sleazy.